Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Obedience is the Consequence, Not the Cause. Please visit our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find all of our previous podcasts and such resources as the key principles of effective Bible study. You'll also be able to find a list of the platforms on which our podcast is available. Our memory verse for today is Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Before we get into this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of Bible study. We thank you, Lord, that you're able to deal with difficulties, great or small. We invite your presence to be with us and to help us that we will deliver this message in accordance with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. But God commendeth his love toward us. Obedience is the consequence, not the cause. I want you to remember that title. As Seventh-day Adventists, we have a unique focus, we have a unique message, we understand prophetic events, we have a focus on Christ's mission, we have a focus on the sanctuary, we are reminding people to come back to the law of God. But sometimes, because we are often wrestling against people who see the law of God as being done away or of none effect. Our focus on the law gets to a place where sometimes we forget how salvation really works. And I say that because I look at different lists and forums and groups on Facebook and other places, and many times when people ask a question about the commandments, we are quick to jump with our favorite commandments about obedience, and there are lots of them. And they're powerful, right? They're, they exist. They, they cannot be denied. They cannot be overlooked. There are a lot of them. Uh, Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Uh, you have Moses in Deuteronomy 11.27 saying, A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods. So that's the Old Testament. We have other go-to texts. Acts 5.29 Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We have children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We have children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. That's Ephesians 6.1 and Colossians 3.20. We have Joshua. But take diligent heed 
to do the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, we have Ecclesiastes 12.13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We have Revelation 14.12, one of our favorites. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We have Jesus' own words, all right? Who can contradict Jesus' words? John 14.15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And John 15.10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 1 John 2.3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. There are more. I could go on. There are at least 60 such verses that we can rely on. And they are of great importance because they show that obedience is there, that, that God requires obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. There's no way to go through the Bible and, and come to the conclusion that God doesn't care about obedience. But sometimes we get the cart before the horse. In our zeal to ensure that people understand that obedience is not gone away, we can answer questions incorrectly. Take, for instance, a question that says, are we saved by obedience? And we hear, is it possible to be saved if you're going to be disobedient? <laughs> and, um, and so, of course, people will throw out four or five of these good texts and they will emphasize that obedience is crucial. Ending with Romans 14, with Revelation 14, 12, here's the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. But obedience is a consequence. It is the consequence of salvation. It is not the cause of salvation. Romans 5, 8, and 9 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were disobedient, not obeying, Christ died for us. And so it's, it continues. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Salvation is in Christ alone. It is Christ who grants us salvation. And salvation is a gift. It's a free gift. We are saved from sin. This is true. Right? The purpose that God saves us is not to leave us exactly where we are. The, the whole point of Jesus coming and living and dying is not to just say, hey, you were going to die, and now I say you're going to live, but you just get to do whatever you want. Right? Salvation is part of a restoration process that restores us to the divine image and to the divine relationship. Salvation is about a relationship. But obedience is a consequence of that, right? Obedience is what happens because we are changed. When God saves us, when God saves us, he makes us new. He creates in us a clean heart. He gives us desires 
to want to be reconciled to him. Continuing in Romans 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Okay, so you see the sequence. We were in sins. God loved us. He executed his love to save us. And now that we're saved, there's joy and all of the other responses that come from being saved. So to the question, are we saved by grace or by obedience? We are absolutely saved by grace because this verse tells us that we were saved while we were sinners. Okay. In 1 John 4, John says a number of things here. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. Now remember, as we go through these verses, remember that the people being spoken to are currently in a relationship with God. John is not having an evangelistic series here and speaking to a bunch of of worldlings. He's speaking to the church. Okay, so bear that in mind. Sometimes when we look at the verses, because of the sequence of the verses, right? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's talking to his disciples. They are already in a relationship with him. So some of the parts that need to be considered are assumed. They have already taken place. We have, when we look at these verses, we need to remember the full sequence and not just start where the person speaking has started at that moment. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. You see that? And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Okay, so if you see someone who is exhibiting love, that person was born of God because that's the only way they could exhibit love. And if they're not exhibiting love, then it's an indication that they don't know God because God is love. And once you have a relationship with him, you really don't have much choice but to reflect him. Okay. Verse 10. 1 John 4, verse 10. Oh, verse 9, sorry. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. So we were dead. Right? Because if he sent his son so that we could live, it indicates that we weren't living. We were spiritually dead, heading for physical death that would be permanent. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Again, in response to the love of God, because we're connected to him. Because remember what he just said. If we don't love, we don't know God. Here he's saying, if God loved us and we know him, we ought to respond with love to our brethren. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay. There are two ways to read that second part of the sentence. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. You can read that God dwelling in us is a consequence of us loving one another. Or you can read 
if we love one another, it's proof that God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. And the reason that we would lean to it, the second response and not the first one, is the verses before it. Right? It says, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. That's what verse 7 says. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So it's not possible to read verse 10 and say that, uh, read verse 12 and say, God dwells in us because we love. When verse 7 says, the only way for you to love is to be born of God. So we must conclude throughout this whole passage that it is having that relationship with God, being born of God, that allows us to love. Now you'd say, why do you need to give, if it's a consequence, why do you need to give anyone instruction on it, right? If it's automatic, I love God and therefore I love everybody around me, why would you have to tell me that? Well, because the great controversy is about choice. The great controversy has an opponent, right? We're not in a bubble somewhere and God comes upon us and then we're just there and nothing else is happening. There's an opponent. There is, our attention is constantly being attacked. Our devotion is constantly being attacked. We can only do these things that are being discussed in this passage if we abide in Christ. And since someone is trying to prevent us from abiding, having a continuous relationship, we have to be sober and vigilant and diligent to be focused. So the reason that there's an admonition, the reason that there's exhortation is because we have to be attentive to the fact that we have an enemy. That doesn't change the sequence. It doesn't change obedience and love for our fellow man being a consequence of God loving us. Right? doesn't change that. But what it means is we have to be attentive. We need, like Daniel, to purpose in our hearts. Okay. In verse 16 it says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Right? We have a choice whether to remain with Christ or not remain with him, and we have to exercise that choice. We don't have the power to, to remain, but we have the choice to remain. If we execute, if we exercise our choice, God executes the power or exercises the power. Right? If we exercise the choice, God will exercise the power. Let's look at Romans. Back to Romans. In Romans chapter 4, here's what Paul says. Romans 4, starting at verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And then he goes on to talk about, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Again, this is these are acts of grace by God, not because of any worthiness, 
on our part, but because of acceptance of the gift, right? When we, who are ungodly, accept the gift, believe on Christ, believe that God sent him, then verse 5 applies to us. Romans 4, 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Okay? Deuteronomy 6, 7, just so you understand, this has been the principle of the Bible the whole time and not just a New Testament thing. Listen to what Moses said to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. And Moses goes on to, to give them other characteristics. But the point here being God has chosen us. Right? God has chosen us. God chose the Israelites. God has chosen us. And he didn't choose us because of any merit. He chose us because he loved us. Not because we did anything or are worth anything. Whatever our worth is, and we do have worth because Jesus died for us. Whatever our worth is, is because God has acknowledged that worth. You see what I'm saying? It's not an inherent worth. It's a worth that has been established by God. So when we look at the issue of obedience, and we understand that it is important, we understand that the disobedient will not be entering into heaven, we understand all of those things, but the sequence must never be forgotten. Obedience is the consequence of salvation. It is not the cause. We, we are not saved because we are obedient. We are saved because Jesus died for our sins and we believe on him. And because we believe on him, and because God is the one who justifies the ungodly, then we are given power to obey him. And because of the love that he has loved us, we love him because he first loved us. Because of the great love that he exhibits to us, in gratitude, we love him in return and we're willing to obey him. But that's the sequence. God is not saving anyone because they are obedient. God is going to have obedient people because they're saved. Second Peter 1 verse 4. This is the ladder of grace all the way through verse 12. But just reading 4 and 5. Peter says to us, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, you see what he says? We, are, we get exceeding great and precious promises. We have been given exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, by these promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, by these things. Then it says, then he says in verse 5, and beside this, so in addition to this, the great and precious promises by which we become partakers of the divine nature, and beside this, giving all diligence, 
add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Do you see where on the ladder this takes place? We start with faith in the promises. And it is faith in the promises that gives us salvation. Or even better, it is faith in the promises that allows us to receive the salvation that is offered in Jesus. Right? I want to be careful that don't make the faith the salvation. The faith is the access to the salvation. The, be the obedience is the consequence of the salvation. The salvation is in Jesus. And we need to be clear on that because that helps keep everything in perspective. We're saved because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves everyone, therefore everyone has access to salvation. Those who are saved will want to obey. They will. They'll be grateful. No one's going to look at salvation and say, well, I want salvation, but I'm not really keen on obedience. They'll want to obey. Even the people making the argument that the commandments are done away with, right? Very, very rarely are they saying, I can do whatever I want, in including killing and adultery and all these other kinds of things. Very rarely will you see anyone actually make that argument. The fact of the matter is they are trying to avoid working for their gift. That's, that's what they're running from. And we probably should be a lot more sensitive to that. A lot of people emphasizing grace are trying to express the fact that they don't want to make the mistake of pretending that they're earning salvation. Right? It's, it's a noble and frankly desirable um, perspective. They just have to understand that the obedience is a consequence of the salvation. And in some ways, a barometer of it. Meaning, if you notice that you're not obeying, it undermines your argument of salvation. Right? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so if you say, I love you, Jesus, but then you notice that you're really not listening to him, it kind of puts you in an awkward place where your, mo your mouth and your body are saying two different things. Right? But again, the obedience is not the salvation. The obedience is a barometer. It's a consequence and a barometer of salvation but it is not the mechanism of salvation. It is not the cause of salvation. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Romans 5, 8 and 9 tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, see what we're justified by? His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Through him. Okay, so let's endeavor to get our focus right. Salvation is of Christ. It is by way of Christ. It is through Christ's life, through his death, through his ministration, 
Obedience is but a consequence of salvation. It is not the cause. It is important, but not if you put the cart ahead of the horse. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your love and your mercy and your goodness to us. We ask you to help us to ever keep in mind this relationship, this balance of the gospel. Help us not to ever come to the conclusion that anything we do is what enables our salvation. Our salvation is because of the blood of our Savior. Our salvation is because of the life and the death and the ministration of our Savior. And we ask you to help us that we will be grateful, that we will respond with gratitude and with hearts of love, we will want to obey him to the best of our ability, not because it will bring us salvation, but because we are so grateful for all that he's done for us and we would not want to displease him. Please bless us, we pray, and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.